you are listening to the TN Horror Podcast Network. Horror with a sense of humor. Explorers in the further regions of experience. Demons to some, angels to others. One thing we can all agree on is death is going to come, and then the afterlife. Ecclesiastes 3 says, there's a... Don't touch that dial, everybody. You've wandered yourself right into a very special episode of Rants and Rants and Reviews. Tonight, I have an amazing guest for you guys, Count Brahoon, straight from somewhere in Tennessee. We're going to keep the... Keep the, you know, kind of got to keep the mystery. Count, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, tell tell the folks about yourself. Well, I, I really appreciate you having me on this evening, Yeti. Um, and just so you know, uh, at least as far as this evening goes, we don't have to keep my location a secret. I actually uh, publicized that earlier. I'm recording live tonight from Nick Newton's and Spinelli's in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Um uh, my podcast, Couter Hoon's Feature of Fright, is based out of Murfreesboro. Of course, as you can tell by my accent, I'm not from Murfreesboro, but uh, that's at least where I am for now so that I can uh, be fairly close to our producers so that we can uh, record the show. Uh, so I am, of course, the host. Um, kind of, I guess you can say I am the star of Couter Hoon's Feature of Fright. And basically what we do, uh, we mostly tell horror stories. Uh, these stories uh, are from what I like to call the Tangled Web, uh, which is uh, kind of my little pet name for my very wide collection of strange and macabre uh, audio tales uh, from all over the world. Uh, some of them are written, uh, some of them are uh, recorded, some of them are videos, but uh, basically we take all of those and we put them in an audio format, and we uh, present them to the world. Now, whenever we are not presenting audio tales, uh, we are interviewing guests with horror-related projects. Uh, for instance, earlier this year, we had the great Lloyd Kaufman of Troma Films. Um, we've also had, um, we've had various independent filmmakers. Uh, there's actually a, a gentleman who's... Uh, uh, tapped into our live stream right now, a filmmaker named Anthony Rouse. We've had him on the show several times. And uh, I'll kind of give you a little sneak peek. Um, every now and then I like to do these things, uh, these uh, sort of these vampire on the scene bits where I'll go to different conventions and uh, basically stick my microphone in people's faces and uh, sort of to get them to talk about what they're doing. Uh, but I was at the uh, Imaginary Convention uh, about a month ago and I actually met Jeffrey Reddick, who is the writer of the uh, Final Fa Final Destination uh, film franchise. So I got to talk to him for about 10 minutes. So that's a very, very long-winded overview of what I do. <laughs> I do enjoy the show. Um, <clears throat> actually, for those of you who don't know, that's how <clears throat> the Count and I met was at a Rocky Top Horror Show. He came and stuck his microphone in my face, and we kind of hung out for a while, and and here we are. I, I became a fan of the show. Uh, it's it's uh, what I what I the interviews are great, but I really enjoy the audio dramas. That's it's something we're going to get into that a little bit later, though. Uh, 
As, as far as the show, where can we find episodes at the moment? I am basically everywhere podcasts uh, can be heard. Uh, we are on iTunes. Uh, we're on Google Play, Stitcher, YouTube. Uh, of course, I know you don't really listen to podcasts on YouTube very much, but I, we do put the audio out uh, for folks to listen to. Uh, I think the only place that we are not on is Spotify, but I could be wrong. I'd have to check back with that. But iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, uh, those are the big three that we're on, and YouTube. Um, so it's, we're pretty accessible. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and we'll talk about Spotify later. I, we'll, we'll, have to, we'll have to push to get you on there. That's, that's for sure. Right. So. Now, and, and I haven't checked because I don't know how they get uh, feeds. Because if they rip off from iTunes, then I'm, I'm probably already on there anyway. So. so you do live shows as well, as well as the, the podcast. You do uh, live shows. Where, how often do you try to do those? Well, that's a really good question, Yeti. Uh, we, we sort of started doing that about a year ago. And it was somewhat of an experiment. Uh, it was basically a way for us to sort of market the show and let people know in the community that we were here, that, you know, the show actually existed. Right. Um, and it, it, it proved to be uh, quite, uh, quite popular. Uh, and I don't, know, uh, I don't know if you've ever done a, a live show or a live performance of any kind, but there's... The feeling of doing one, especially when you when you do one well, uh, there isn't a feeling that matches that, I don't believe. Uh, so we really had a good time doing the first live show last year in Smyrna, and we quickly did another one about three months later. And then a couple of months after that, in December, we actually performed at the City Winery in Nashville. For, it was part of a much larger showcase. And uh, from there, uh, we tried to lobby to get us to do more shows around the Murfreesboro area. Uh, proved to be a little bit difficult because there's a lot of red tape uh, with some nonprofits uh, that we had to work with. Uh, but we finally were able to get a show booked in July. Our first one was in July. And then we did a second one right here at Spinelli's uh, back in September. Uh, and then about a month later, we uh, did the show in Imaginarium. Um, and we have one more for this year that's actually next month, uh, but I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit later. But next year, we're actually planning on taking the show completely live. Uh, so we will actually be doing live shows every month here at Nick Newton's and Spinelli's uh, uh, every month in 2020. Um, so the, I th they should fall around the middle of the month, roughly. Um, so... It, we used to try to do them every quarterly, but now we're, it looks like uh, very soon we're actually going to start uh, doing them every month. So <laughs> that's that is really cool. There's there's so much lack of. It seems like there's so much lack of live entertainment now. I mean, you could go see a band or something, mm -hmm. but there's but seeing a, a show, especially if if you're looking for a horror show, you know, it's so hard to find live entertainment like that. So you guys are really really given something to the community, man. And I'm sure it's really appreciated. Yes, uh, we're, um, we're getting a lot of attention here, uh, in the surrounding area. Uh, people, are, people are curious because it's, it's very strange. Uh, it's very strange to have a radio show, a radio play show, I should say. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a type of theater that's not done regularly anymore. 
Um, but I think you have that aspect, and then you also have the fact that a real-life vampire hosts the show. So uh, you add all that together, and and you, you put it in a town uh, that's just outside of Nashville, which Nashville itself is a pretty big area, and uh, the surrounding areas are growing because Nashville's growing very, very rapidly, and it's just a recipe for uh, for what we are becoming. Uh, we, we aim to become uh, a, a, a big part of, um, of Middle Tennessee and really of the world, of course, but, you know, one step at a time. Right. Um, but uh, we, uh, and, and of course, you know, we we aim to, we, we, I was going to say we aim to please as a joke, but we aim to really get ourselves out there and show the world, um, show the world what kind of content that we have because we do try to, uh, to give our audience uh, horror stories or stories that you don't really get from anywhere else. Um, you know, in a lot of ways, we're, we're kind of doing something that has been done before, but we're doing it in a new way. And, and I think that, that it, there is some degree of originality there. And I think uh, we, we, we are in a time where originality is desperately needed. So that's what we're trying to provide. It's you're right. Everything lately seems like a a rehash or a remake or a reboot or something like that. And it's everything is so much the same. So for me personally, when I see something new and not just new, but new and super cool, something that really catches my eye. I really dig into it. And uh, it seems like lately the audio dramas and um, like radio plays, these these kind of things are really making a comeback. Uh, but you, like you've been doing this for a while now. What what gave you the idea to 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 put on a show like this? What was the inspiration behind that? Uh, well, I, your count has always aspired to be a storyteller or an entertainer of some kind, um, and that especially has been my path ever since being a mad scientist didn't really work out as well as I had hoped it. Um, but really, I, the inspiration just came from it, – it, it actually came from other podcasts, uh, specifically other horror podcasts. Um, there are audio drama type shows that are uh, touring the world as we speak uh, that are doing somewhat similar um, similar uh, similar shows that we are. And I just mean that you have – <clears throat> Excuse me. You have uh, the actors performing a radio play. Uh, of course, with us, it's a little different because you actually are getting real supernatural creatures like a vampire and, and all that stuff. But um, that it's was the added bonus. Of, I'm sorry. It's the added bonus. Yes, that's so. the added bonus. You get uh, you get real life vampires and monsters, and uh, and also uh, you get uh, prizes, which I, I, I don't think uh, I don't think Welcome to Night Vale does a prize giveaway in their live shows. But and it, it's that, and of course, if you recall, if you know your horror history, um, you used to see shows like this all the time. Uh, they were called midnight spook shows. Uh, a lot of times, they were put on by a local horror host who would. Uh, would show a, a, a movie, uh, a horror film, and sometimes there would be some sort of, um, you know, live theater or live magic show aspect that would go with it. Uh, so th for me, those were the two 
big inspirations to to do what we're actually doing right now. Yeah, like um, almost like a, a spin ghoulie or there's something of that nature. It's right. Uh, I, I like or even, uh, or even uh, Dr. Gangrene. Uh, Dr. Right. Gangrene hosts a uh, what? It's a horror hoop nanny uh, every uh, every October. Of course, it's a little different for him because it, his is more of an emphasis. He emphasizes uh, local bands. Uh, they do a lot of Halloween rock music. And uh, though I'm not opposed to the idea of having some sort of live music for my shows, we tend to focus more on the actual stories. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, and I actually I've met Dr. Gangrene. Uh, we're uh, not all horror hosts know each other, but he's actually because we're sort of in the same backyard. He's he's one that I've run into a couple of times. Oh, that's really cool. So, in your shows, do you have a cast that you work with consistently, or do you branch out and uh, get new cast members for each show, or how do how do you handle that? I do typically have a stable of actors and performers that I I work with consistently. Um, for instance, um, uh, Charles Schroeds, um, he's, he's made uh, several appearances in our audio tales. Uh, Zach King, Austin Duke, um, uh, Mr. Drew Hines, he's more of a newer cast member. Uh, of course, I can go on and on, um, but I'm also always open to, op to work with new talent, uh, which is why we're actually holding auditions next month. Uh, a couple of days before the, uh, our next live show, uh, we're holding auditions for our show here at Spinelli's in January. So, uh, and we're and it's open to the public. So, if you have any kind of theater experience in the Middle Tennessee area, uh, come here uh, December fifteenth at five o'clock, and uh, and uh, we'll see uh, we'll see if you have what it takes to be a member of the Count's Merry Mob of Mayhem. <laughs> Excellent. <clears throat> Okay, it's not every day. Like I get to talk to a lot of really interesting people, filmmakers, actors, this, that, and the other thing. It's not every day I get to to have a chat with a real life vampire, and I don't want to waste the opportunity. I'd really like to get some uh some solid vampire knowledge and maybe do a little myth busting. Are you are you all right with that? Of course, lay it on me. Excellent. I'm assuming you work with mortals on your show. Have you yes. ever fed on a member of the cast or crew? No. And that is because I'm at, they made, before we started the show, they made me sign a contract saying that I wouldn't do it. Ah. Well, you know, humans are so up in arms about liability and getting sued and all of that. So yeah. basically they don't believe in fun. So they said no. So I had to sign my name on the dotted line and, so I, I, I can't. I'm not allowed to. Bureaucracy and red tape ruins everything. Yes. So not to you... say that I'm not looking for some sort of loophole, but I haven't found it yet. <laughs> so if you were going to feed on someone, what's your favorite blood type? You know, I'm, uh, I like to consider myself a, a sophisticated vamp, so to speak. So I actually... I prefer rarer blood types like AB positive, but they're very hard to find. Uh, so a lot of the times I'll just settle for uh, for O negative, which is you know a good universal donor, and so I drink that. Uh, I kind of have to cut back on the A positive though. It's uh, sort of messing up my digestive tract a little bit, so I primarily stick with O negative. 
sometimes I'll go with Oak Plus just to kind of even it out for variety's sake, you know. But uh, yeah, I actually like the A positive okay, but it, I don't know what's. I may have to get that checked out. Is, is A positive like the red meat of 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 blood? Yeah, I guess you could say that. O negative, like, like a lean chicken. Yeah. A yeah. positive. A A positive is red meat, so. This makes sense. This is all things I didn't even know. Um, How do you go? I'm a ple- Some folks call me a plethora of useless information. So. <laughs> that's that's my goal too. <laughs> <laughs> of all the cinematic depictions of vampires throughout the years, which do you think is the most accurate? Well, if we're being honest with each other. And I hate to admit this, but, uh, well, I'll, I'll just come out and say it. Uh, Bella Lugosi basically did an impersonation of me. Uh, there's no love lost between me and Bram Stoker. Uh, he essentially um, he essentially ripped off uh, my memoirs and passed it off uh, as his own. And he changed the name of, uh, well, he changed my name to Dracula because he thought Dracula was a better name. Um, so whatever you see in most, you know, Dracula films, it's pretty accurate as to how most vampires are. Um, I can tell you what is the absolute least accurate, uh, and that is Twilight. Ah, see, because I was going to ask, which was the worst, what, which in your eyes was worse, Count Orlock or Edward Cullen, but I guess I have my answer there. Well, Orlock is sort of a, a sore spot for me because that is essentially Dracula. But I feel like most people on the surface don't get the reference anymore. They don't ah. realize Count Orlock is actually Count Dracula. Um, but so I would rather take that. And actually, if we're being honest with each other, Count Orlock looks more like uh, pictures of my grandfather. But um, that's neither here nor there. But definitely Edward Cullen does not pass for a real vampire. And I would argue that Twilight has really uh, has really hurt the vampire community in a lot of ways. Um, because nobody cares about a old-timey masculine machismo vampire like myself. They want the teeny bopper essentially boy band equivalent version of vampires which is edward cullen and it drives me up the wall see that's that's what i said back like i've been saying for years and it's it's seeped its way into other things too Mm -hmm. because from from after twilight you got you know things like warm bodies like the teeny bopper love story zombie movie and then you have uh all these uh young adult uh romance vampire tv shows mm-hmm. it's i i blame twilight yeah yeah uh i know for a fact that if you are a vampire and you go out in the sunlight you are not going to glisten or glitter or whatever they do you are going to burn and die a very horrible death so don't do it it's a, it's a bad plan all the way around it's a horrible plan all the way to be honest with you, though, I did like warm bodies, but having said that, I'm sort of prejudiced against zombies, so of course I would like it. Ah, well, you know, I mean, it wasn't a terrible film. It's just this, 
Well, I, I, I don't think it was a horror classic. I mean, I just, I thought it was oh, a no. movie. It was an interesting take, I thought. Um, of course, it, it wouldn't happen. I mean, once you go zombie, you don't, re, you know, your brain doesn't come back. It's pretty much gone. Um, yeah. And, you know, the, at that point, uh, you either just keep going and keep eating or you, you get your head blown off and it's over. But very, a terribly inaccurate film, but still, you know, a lot of fun. Yeah, and, and that's really what matters when, at the end of the day is, is if you watch something, if it was fun. And I guess, yeah, it, it was fun. It was just the the idea of everything being so warm and fuzzy. I don't... That is true. So I, I um, Some things in horror, you just can't make warm and fuzzy. And definitely a zombie apocalypse is not a, it's not a warm, fuzzy thing. No, no. It's Sometimes it would be preferable to reality, but it's definitely not warm and fuzzy. I, I don't know. I don't know about that. Like I said, I, I really don't. I, granted, there are other there are other kinds of creatures that I'm that I despise more than zombies. But just the idea of having a zombie apocalypse and then them just sort of wandering all over your yard. It's just it's it doesn't terrify me. It just annoys the idea annoys me and it makes me angry. So just just stinking up the place. Right, they just, I mean, but seriously, like, I, I know I'm technically a corpse, but I have the decency to try to make myself smell pleasant. Right. Those guys, like, they have no, no manners, no regard for anything. I just, I can't, I can't stand it. That's, that's what I draw the line. So you said you, there, there are creatures you despise more than zombies. What's, yes. who are the worst? Just the Honestly, absolute worst. I, I might offend you, Yeti, it's actually demons. I could see that. I had I had to spend like two or three hours in hell once. And to put it simply, it was hell. Um, and it, it's not like in a tormenting way. Well, I mean, it was tormenting, but in a different sense. Like they just, the demons that captured me. First of all, the demons that captured me mistook me for Donatello Versace. Which I don't <laughs> know how you get the two of us mixed up. But then I was locked in a cage, and they just would not shut up about head cheese. They just kept talking about it, kept raving about it. Which, in, in, in case you're unfamiliar, head cheese is this really, it, it's like goat's head, like brains and stuff. And it's like, it's, people actually eat it. It's, it's a little odd. Yeah. Uh, so they kept ranting about that. And then finally, I got to meet the big guy with the horns. And... Instead of having a you know a nice dialogue of hey sorry about the mistake we'll let you go, he basically wanted to keep me down there and lead his army, and it's like I don't want a job opportunity I just want to get out of here. <laughs> but finally I sort of tricked the demons into letting me go and they did, and honestly that day it made me feel bad for having so much hatred towards zombies. Now I still don't like them that much, but. Uh, that one day I spent in hell was enough to make me despise demons even more. So, well, every day is a school day. You know, you're always learning. Yeah, yeah, I got more. <laughs> Speaking of learning, you're you're you've you've uh, you're active on social media. Obviously, uh, you have the the shows online. So, have you been keeping up with technology this entire time? Or did you just take a crash course over the past couple of years? 
somewhat of a crash course, although the producers, they sort of handle the heavy lifting. Like, I don't, uh, I don't do any of the recording myself uh, when, we're ever, when we're doing the bigger episodes. They just tell me to show up and I come and say what I'm supposed to say. Um, the, they had to teach me a little bit about doing the preamp recording uh, whenever they decided to drop me off and do the, the you know, the on-the-scene stuff. And then I always, I've been, I've been watching Netflix for years, so I kind of figured that out. I kind of had to because I used to review horror films, so I knew how to do that. So I know how to navigate the net, the web. So I figured out Skype. That wasn't too hard. Uh, and then social media, I'm still learning. Um, I think I'm doing okay. I'm be- doing better than most boomers. I'll, I'll, I'll put you that. <laughs> But I'm, I'm still not quite as savvy as some of these kids. Uh, I don't, I don't know. Some some of these kids have millions of of people, and I have no idea where they come from. Um, I'm sure not all of them are actually real people. Some of them are bots. Some of them are, uh, well, they don't like the term bots. Cybernetic organism, whatever. Everybody's uh, going to be politically correct now. I, I know, I know. It's just, it's irritating, but. But you know, uh, you know uh, it, it, some some folks have a better grasp of it than I do. I'm still learning, and I'm trying to get the hang of it. But uh, we'll see what I am. Uh, we'll see what I am in the next few months. Yeah, yeah. It's I. It, I don't think it really pays to have more than a cursory uh, uh, knowledge of social media because then you're like really involved in it, and then it just like steals your soul piece by piece. If, if I could never go on social media again and still have the existence that I have in the field that I'm in, I would do it in a heartbeat, but I can't. It is – it's very strange. Um, just from the outside looking in, I see how people treat each other on social media, and I look at all these horrible comments that they say to each other, and I just sit there and wonder to myself, why don't they just take it outside and settle it in a duel? But you can't right? do that so, so at that point, what do you do? So I, I don't know. Oh, uh, yeah, no, I. There that's Sorry. that is uh, it's blown me away over the past few years. It's like it seems to be getting worse on social media. I think it's the there's a wall. Speaking of social networks, is there a secret vampire social network? Uh, well, it's a funny. Uh, the funny thing about that is um, we are all sort of um, individualistic, ah. and so the way the way it's been explained is um, we are everywhere and nowhere. So oh. we don't really. I mean, there's a whole vampire nation stuff like that, but when we're in the outside world, in the human world, we kind of stick to ourselves. But we tend to sort of disperse once we get out into the human world, and there's not really a whole lot of contact to be held. Most of the time, you don't get more than ten vampires uh, to be in the same uh, the same place. So... Um, but, you know, of course, it's different whenever we go back into the vampire world. Uh, but a lot of them sort of keep, 
keep a low profile. I'm one of the few outspoken ones because, you know, I've, I'm in the entertainment business. So you may have met several other vampires in your life. You just don't know it. And they don't all look like me. So I'm at a, I'm set a, I'm at a weird stage in my life. Vampires peel. Uh, if you ever wonder why they don't age, it's because uh, the skin, the, 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 there comes a certain point where we peel the skin and we look a little different than we did. So we never actually, we, we age somewhat, but then, you know, we just peel the skin and, and then we're different. Well, that that makes a lot of sense, actually. Mm-hmm. So so there's no social network. I'm guessing there's no union. Uh, no. Ah. <laughs> Definitely no no union. <laughs> well, that's, I mean that's that's good, you know. Right to vamp wherever you want. That's always good. Mm-hmm. Now I listened to the Halloween crossover episode that uh, came out at the end of last month. And it oh was, boy! It was fun. It was a great time. Uh-huh. And and I got to know more about ghost mounties. Well, you know, I don't, uh, I don't know that there's more to tell. They're just sort of these. Um, I, I know the ghost mounty. I met him. He in Sleepy Hollow in New York. He just sort of popped out of nowhere, and it was really weird. It, me and my son Daryl, who, um, in case you're unfamiliar, Daryl is sort of a teenage Frankenstein. I created him in the lab. Uh, we were on a uh, foot, uh, like a almost like a hiking trip to America, and uh, we were in Sleepy Hollow, and I forgot that I actually owed uh, the Headless Horseman money. He was a, a financier in um, in my uh, endeavor to make Daryl, and I, uh, I I forgot to pay him back. Um, we had a, there was like two investors. He was one of them, and. Uh, so we were in trouble. Uh, he was coming for us, and I have. It, what it turned out was they had actually rebuilt the bridge. So you know the original bridge in the story, like he couldn't cross the bridge uh, because of the curse or whatever. Uh, well, it was a different bridge, so he could cross through it all he wanted to. So we were in a lot of trouble. We didn't really know what to do, and then all of a sudden, here come the ghost mountains. Um, it's very strange because uh, you know I I don't. I mean, you know, we were in New York, and New York shares a border with Canada, but we I, we weren't that close to the Canadian border. So it was very strange, and I'm sure that I'm sure some international law was broken. Um, but uh, at the time, we didn't really care because uh, they they saved us, and they took the uh, they took the headless horseman to jail. And uh, and of course, we ran into him one other time in Sri Lanka. I. I don't. I, I'm very curious to, to know what the inner workings of the ghost mounted police is like because they apparently they run security for Bigfoot whenever he's doing his concerts and um, and yeah, it's it's very interesting. They run security for Bigfoot and I'm assuming other obscure supernatural acts. I'll try to see if maybe they can run security for me someday, but I, I'd have to check the rates. I don't know if I can actually afford them. I don't know. It, se- it seems like they'd be pretty expensive because I, w- I would almost assume that they're still paying Canadian taxes. So. Or they don't pay taxes. That's the thing. Like, can you actually tax a ghost? Because you can't put them in jail because they'll just go right through and, yeah. you know, 
and, and you and it's not like they can hand you the money anyway because they're translucent. So I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. This is. I wonder if there's something in a in a the like the RCMP contract that binds them, where if they just like the hats. I I don't know. I think they're just sort of under themselves. I don't know if there's any legal contract that binds them. I'm sure they like the hats. What? They're very nice hats. Right? I do have to say. That's like. If I, I wish I could pull that off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I I don't think I don't think I would look good in a hat. I look good in the top hats, but not the not the wide brim hats. Yeah. It's it's one of those things that you look at and you're like, oh, those are so nice, and th and then you put one on and it's like, what am I what am I doing with myself here? Right. So many times, so many times in life. So, you you mentioned it, and, I, and, and I'm a little familiar with it, with the concept, but my listeners may not be. Bigfoot's concerts. Uh, tell us a little bit about Bigfoot. I, I love Bigfoot. Well, um, Bigfoot, uh, contrary to popular belief, I mean, yes, he's a cryptid, and he's, he's Bigfoot. We all know that. But what most people don't know is that he is actually the front man for the most successful underground southern rock band of all time. Um, it's just him and his band. Uh, they love southern rock music, and they play exclusively uh, in Sri Lanka. It's hard to get into this concert because the tickets are really expensive because he's that good. Um, so it pays to be on the guest list if, if he knows you and your friends. So he's actually put me on the guest list several times. So that's how I've gone to see his show. And it's amazing. And it's unlike anything I can explain. It's, I mean, what's the greatest entertainment spectacle you've ever seen in your life? Hmm. I saw, I think the, the biggest one for me was the Dark Roots of Thrash tour a few years ago with uh, Testament. Okay, well, take... Think back really quick to how excited and how great it felt to watch that uh, that concert and multiply it by 100. The, 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 the spectacle is just unreal. It's like a sensory overload. And I'm a vampire. I don't get excited about much anymore. But I tell you, a, a Bigfoot concert, um, there's no such thing as a, as a weak show with Bigfoot. You're, you're going to get more than your money's worth. Um, and so, you know what? And, and for the longest time... You know, the producers gave me an iPod. That was the only thing I listened to on my iPod. Just constant Bigfoot on loop. Yeah, yeah. I, I, but of course, it's, you know, it's an MP3 file, so it's not nearly as great as it is live. But man, I mean, <laughs> it's nothing compares to it. So I hope, uh, I heard a rumor that he's thinking about retiring. I hope that's not the case, but man. I, if that's true, I, I need to see at least one more show uh, before he hangs it up for good. So. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering about uh, travel plans to Sri Lanka right now and how I can get my wife on board with that. Well, I tell you what, I tell you what, if, if we can get her, if we can get her on board with it, and I can reconfirm that I'm back on the guest list, we'll make it happen. Sounds it, trust great. Me, it's worth it. it. It's worth. I know, like. Sri Lanka is like a hidden gym. You would never think that it would have something so awesome, but but it does. You just you'd have to know where to look. And fortunately, I do. 
And and of course, you know the the videos of Bigfoot that people have seen, where he's just sort of walking, you know, in the forest, and he kind of looks at the camera and then walks away. Yeah. Uh, well, the reason why the, that footage of him exists is because um, he's he's not the world's greatest at time management, so a lot of times he actually misses his flight. So that's him on in a hurry to get to his gig. But if he manages time more wisely. Uh, he'd actually have time to talk with folks and promote his shows, but um, musicians, what can you do, right? Yeah, they're as bad as writers, I swear. Right, or that <laughs> <laughs> So, so tell me, we we've touched touched on ghosts and uh, zombies, demons. Where where do you stand on uh, extraterrestrial beings? Oh, well, um, <laughs> uh, I was actually in love with a warrior alien princess for a time. Um, so it, uh, it, 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 it depends. Uh, I don't know. It, it depends on what kind of alien you're talking about and, um, you know, where they're from. But uh, I don't know. In a lot of ways, all broken hearts lead to outer space. So... Um, but no, I'm not. Uh, I don't have anything against aliens, of course. But uh, but um, I do but wish they, one. I wish one in particular would call me back at some point. Let's just put it that way. I know that feeling. I do deep in my feels where I wish I didn't. So, but aliens are real. Let's, let's... Oh well, well, sure. I mean, if, if a vampire is real, if Bigfoot's real, if demons are real, why not aliens? Yeah, makes sense. So. Makes sense to me. See, right. I, I, I always have to ha I always have this conversation with people, and uh, I, I'm, I'm the guy who, like, given a couple of beers and enough quiet time, I will start yelling about aliens. It's, it's, it's an eventuality. I, yeah. I feel like if you get beers in me, I'll just cry about aliens because you know, because uh, one in particular sort of broke my heart. Not intentionally, of course, but that's just that's just life. Yeah, life happens. Life yeah. does happen. Yes. See, we couldn't drink together because we would get a few beers in us, and I'd start talking about aliens, and you'd start reminiscing, and it would just, we just, and then, and then, and then it'd come back on me, and I'd start reminiscing, and we'd just be crying in our beers, and it'd be, yeah, no. And there, uh, from what I was told, there there is a song. Uh, something about having a tear in a beer. Um, oh, I have yeah. to check on that one, though, of course. Oh yeah, I mean you're you're right there in Nashville, so right, right. It yes. should it shouldn't take too much. No, no, no. There's um, the the uh, the streets. Not particularly what I'm at now, but uh, definitely uh, whenever I I do go to Nashville, there's um, there's nothing but country music, it seems. So. How are you, How do you feel about uh, country music? Oh, you know, I, I don't. Um, I guess it's fine. Uh, you know, it's 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 a little similar to what Bigfoot does, so I can sort of kind of get into it. Um, sure. I don't know. I I'm I'm not much of a music person. I'm more of a, a movie vampire. Um, I'm more into movies. I, I watch watch a lot of films. Um, and, t and television, and I try, I try to keep up with pop culture as much as I can, um, but music is, I, I don't know, I just I haven't really found the time to get much into it. 
Uh, when you do, if you ever get some downtime, there's a great little subset of uh, like Southern Gothic music. It's uh, it's like horror country with banjos. It's beautiful. That's interesting. <laughs> well, you know, I I, I like it here. I, I like Tennessee, that, um, and I do like Southern Gothic, uh, whatever that really is. It's a hard term to define, but uh, but I, but I do. Uh, I, I like my uh, I like the area that we record in, and so I I'd love to give that a try. I love Tennessee. I, I'm I'm not from here either, so I, I happened here, and uh, I just love it. It's so. So great. And I'm, you know, on the other side of the state, I'm in East Tennessee over by the Smokies. And it's just, it's all the people are so nice and it's so pretty here. And, it's, it's and, I've, and I, I've been where you live. Uh, I was, uh, I was invited to the Knoxville Horror Film Festival several years ago. I, uh, I actually interviewed the, um, the festival director there, uh, William Mahaffey. Uh, we talked a little bit about, uh, uh, it was KH, KHFF. Uh, six 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 that year. <laughs> oh, that was a, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was a few years back. Yeah, it, great yeah, it was bunch a while of ago. That was it was actually it was actually before. <coughs> excuse me, it predated the podcast. So oh, I wow. had a web show where I used to review horror movies, and uh, that's that's why I was there. <laughs> it's a long, long, long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> Especially in entertainment years, it seems like, uh, so I mean, you know, entertainment years are different than people years. That's true, and and then, you know, you think about vampire years. Yeah, uh, it, time must fly for you. Oh, sure, sure. Um, I, you know, I, my son Daryl made the point uh, when we were in Sri Lanka last time, because I was, you know, I was really mad that I wasn't on the guest list for, uh, for the Bigfoot concert. And I made the point, I said, you know, we've been friends for over 20 years at this point. I don't understand why he wouldn't put me on the guest list. And then he reminded me, well, dad, you know, 20 years is like two months in vampire years. So you, can you really say you were that close? You know, sometimes kids say smart things when they're not saying the darndest things. So. Yeah, every now and then. There's, there's a little bit of wisdom there. Yeah, that's, yeah and that was a kernel... That was a kernel of wisdom there. I, I didn't see that one coming. He, he he throws some good ones at me from time to time, I must say. So you're you're more of a, a film vampire. What what have yeah. you uh, what have you watched lately that's really tickled your fancy? Well, um, I, I try to keep uh, an ear and my eyes open for um, for indie horror. Because uh, I feel like a lot of great horror films are being made that aren't reboots or rehashes uh, that really need to be at the forefront. Um, most recently, I watched Tennessee Gothic, um, which is uh, it, which, uh, as you know, is a film written and directed by a, a local filmmaker named Jeff Wedding. It's a really good. It's it's based on a story by Ray Russell. Uh, it's about. Uh, I, I don't want to get get too much into it because at some point I want to. I actually am slated to interview Jeff uh, for uh, for my show. Um, but it's uh, it's a really good. It's a, actually it's a it's a sex horror comedy movie, which is uh, very original. It's there's not really a whole lot of films like that out there. Uh, but it, 
involves a succubus and, you know, small rural Tennessee, a small town rural Tennessee. Uh, and then I, I saw that, and then for the first time, I watched a B, B-movie exploitation film uh, called Vampire Cop, directed by uh, Donald Farmer. Um, which, you know, I, I watch a lot of, I watch trauma films, because uh, we've had Lloyd Kaufman on the show before. Um, so I, you know, I have a diverse taste. Uh, I like trashy movies, but I also like good, um, good, I shouldn't say good, you know what I mean. It's oh, all, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I, I like, I like exploitation horror films, but I also like, um, you know, I like films like Tennessee Gothic and I like Midsummer. I saw that for the first time a couple of weeks ago. I thought that was a really good, good movie. Uh, I really like Three from Hell. Uh, I think that was probably Rob Zombie's best movie. Uh... What's scary stories to tell from the dark? I uh, wasn't a huge fan, actually. I was a little disappointed. Um, but that's just what I've seen lately. I could probably, we could probably go uh, further into the night about uh, all oh. my favorite horror films. But oh, those are just the th- the films I've seen in the last few weeks. I, I gotta say, of all the diverse opinions that I heard, and there were lots of them being spoken very loudly about Three from Hell. I think that's the first time I've heard that particular take on it. Really? <laughs> yeah. I look. He he had a low budget. It was clear, but I feel like for this movie, he really focused on the story and not his wife's butt. Which uh, was which which is nice. I I've said it once. I'll say it again. I cannot. I, it's, it's, not, it's nothing it, against her. It's right. the characters that she that are written for her and that she plays. I, they sh- nails on a chalkboard. Well, what's let me ask you this: what's what's your overall opinion of Rob Zombie as a filmmaker? I really enjoyed House of a Thousand Corpses. Okay. And that's about it. I oh. uh, I'm not I'm not a huge fan. Like, I, I really hated the Halloween remakes. Well, um, I avoided those. Because um, I... And, and maybe I might go back and watch them just for the sake of watching them. Uh, I didn't watch those. I like Devil Re- Re- Devil's Rejects okay. Uh, yeah, that was an okay film, yeah. Lords of Salem... Um, it, was, it, it was a well-done movie, but I don't know, it's strange, my reaction to it. Because, like... A, Objectively speaking, I thought the movie itself was fine, but just the imagery and what the message of the movie was made me feel really uncomfortable. And I know that's strange because I'm a vampire, and you know, like the dark and you know, unhappy endings is sort of my spiel. But I don't know. It was just it was very it was very odd. Um, and but you know what? I I say that, and I really like the witch. I thought that. That was a great movie, and that one had a very unhappy ending in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was a great movie. Um, but then, uh, I don't know, Free From Hell, I just, I really enjoyed it. For me, it was a, it was a lot of fun. Um, it, it didn't, I didn't take it seri- too seriously, but I don't think Rob Zombie did either, and I think that that was, yeah. I think that's, that's what made the movie so good for me, was that it was just sort of a, a horror romp. Uh, there there were some things about it that I really did enjoy. I will say that. Like, I overall, I really didn't like it, but uh, Emilio Rivera 
the yes. uh, the head uh, luchador uh, cartel guy. Love him in everything. He was uh, there's a show Z Nation, and he played basically the same character. Loved it. And um, Pacho Moeller uh, played Sebastian, the the little person. He is. We we actually had him on the show, interviewed him. He's such a sweet guy. Uh, Jim Jam, Jim Jam had said something about that. Yeah, he is he is such a down to earth dude, and that's really not a pun, I swear. But he's so <laughs> he, he's so nice. He's such a good yes. dude, and he he really put his all into that movie, and it was, it was into that part, and it was he was one of the highlights for me. Uh, no, he, he was. I did. I did. Lo- I enjoyed his scenes uh, very much. Uh, I will say, like, I haven't watched Lords of Salem because everything past like Devil's Rejects, I've watched, uh, like, because it was my job. Yes. Like, I ha- I had to watch Thirty One for the show because it was. We used to do like movie of the week, and we'd all watch a movie and we talk about it on the show. And uh, we've kind of gotten away from that for the most part. But, like, I had to watch 31. And then, you know, I had to watch 3 from Hell because it was it, there was such a buzz and we needed to talk about it. But uh, I, I haven't really watched Lords of Salem, but I, I think I might just because I feel like I should, you know? It, because may, maybe that's the one I'm going to love, you know? <laughs> it could be. I, I don't know. Um, and I know that Rob Zombie is not a... He's not exactly a universally accepted um, filmmaker because there's a because the people that hate him really hate him and the people that love him really love him. For, well, for the most part, I'm kind of in the middle. Like I, I yeah. like him. I, I haven't been dissatisfied with the movies that I've seen from him. I don't know. I don't know how history will treat him though. I don't know if he's gonna. I don't know if he's going to be up there with the the Vest Cravens and the John Carpenters, um, but you know the from what I've seen of his work, I mean it's it's fine, it's fun, and yeah. you know I, I do enjoy it. Um, but you know, having said that, his kind of horror is not my favorite. I like gore, but I'm not absolutely in love with it. Uh, you for me, you've got to have something that's more than just gore. Like I've got to yeah. have. Um, I've got to have a good story to go with it. Uh, that's that's what I look for uh, mostly in horror movies. Yeah, it, it's uh, see that's that's me. It's it's a mood thing for me. Sometimes I just want to see guts and blood and entrails and and sometimes I need a story that I can really engage with. And I feel like zombies films really fall in the middle where there's yeah. not. There's not, I mean, there's a story, but it's not anything I really sink my teeth into usually, and it's not an all-out bloodbath, like something, you know, like, like I would really, really get into if I was in the mood for gore, so Mm -hmm. it just kind of falls in the middle for me, but one thing I will say is that, and it's the same thing I say about things like remakes and reboots and stuff, is that Rob Zombie works in this, like, grindhouse drive-in cinema exploitation style and mm-hmm. if if that gets a new audience to turn their eyes back to older like exploitation films like older like hg lewis stuff and uh, things of that nature like the roots of all this 
that's cool with me. If if that if it sparks that kind of interest, he will. That will be, you know, hit to to me. That's more important than anything he could make is turning people onto this like ocean of exploitation cinema out there that that's just kind of it's not given the love I think it should get. Right. Because right. that's. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. This, to me, that's my that's my kind of my wheelhouse is just the old trashy. Uh, like uh, even even like old Jallo films. Oh yes, and, definitely. I uh, big fan of Jallo. Um, although he, well, he's actually the creator of Jallo. Uh, I'm a big fan of Mario Bava. Of course. Uh, my favorite, I think my favorite Mario Bava film is Black Sunday. Um, because it to me it's the most beautifully fo- black and it is the most it, excuse me, it is the most beautiful. Uh, most beautifully, the most beautiful black and white photographed film ever made, I think. Um, it is a gorgeous film. And and it's funny because Bava, for me, he's so well known for uh, for his his use of color. Because I don't uh, and and filmmaking in general, like not just horror. I, I think he's probably the best at his use of color. Right. Um, I don't think anyone comes close. And yet he made a black and white film but I you can tell just by looking at it that even though the film was in black and white there was a lot of attention paid to to the colors that were photographed um, and that's that's what I love about him and just you know his, his sense of storytelling looks of his movies very stylized uh, just beautiful beautiful horror films um, and of course you know his Jalo films um, Gosh, what what was the one he made? Um, I, I'm kicking myself. I literally just watched it a few weeks ago. It's um, oh, Blood and Black Lace. Yes. Uh, that's a great movie. Beaut- and, and it's beautiful. Just the colors, the blood, and, well, you know, the blood. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, but, you know, it's all, it, it's just so captivating for me. And, and, and other filmmakers, too. I'm a big Dario Argento fan. And I'm not really a fan of his later work. I was a little disappointed in his um, his 3D Dracula movie, and I really did not like Jalo. I thought that that was a huge proverbial middle finger to us, the movie going public, because I gave my hopes up thinking that it was going to be a Jalo film, and it was a a really poorly made movie with Adrian Brody, which unless He's in a Wes Anderson movie. Adrian Brody ruins everything. <laughs> so that was just a mess. So it would be really nice to see if he can. I don't know. I, I heard a rumor that he's thinking about making a movie soon. It'd be really nice if Dario Argento could go back to making good movies again. I'd like to see that. Wasn't there something on the wire about him working with Iggy Pop to do? A film like I think I think the news broke like a, a year or two ago. I think it was Argento and uh, Iggy Pop I, was set to star. I don't remember. Well, I thought the story was that they were going. Excuse me, that they were going to make the movie, but it never it never came to fruition. Yeah. And 
I may be conflating that with a different story because there was another story where he set up like some sort of Indiegogo or something like that for uh, to fund a movie, and he raised the money but never made the movie. Oh, something geez. like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know what's going on with him. He's acting, and granted, I mean, he's in horror, so you know, there's always going to be some sort of peculiarity, but it's just. I don't know, he just seems kind of unhinged and not in a fun way, just in a right. just in a what are you doing kind of way. Well, and I mean, he's he's been around for you know, forever, so Yeah. Maybe he's maybe the gears are slipping a little bit. But either and way, it, it, he it will always be. be the man, man who made Tenebrae. So Yeah, yeah. I <laughs> Tenebrae I'm, is one of my favorite movies of all time. Well, I for me, um, my favorite film of his is Suspiria. Uh, either Suspiria or, um, well, I like Crystal. I like The Bird with the Crystal Plumage, but I, I've only seen it once. Of course, I mean, you know, from what I remember from it, it was great. But yeah, it's, I, it's, it's good. Suspiria will always hold a, a, a special place in my heart. So Suspiria to me, like, it's not my favorite Argento film. I like it well enough, but. <laughs> What I really love about it is the spectacle, the yeah. the color, the it's just the subtle like uh, one of my favorite scenes is the courtyard scene where the right before the uh, the dog attacks the blind yeah. man and you yeah. see like the shadow of the whatever flying over the it's just little stuff like that that he is such an attention to detail and all the little facts behind the movie like they. ADR'd everything so he could blast that goblin score on yeah, set. Yeah, I was gonna, I was yeah. gonna up the the goblin score. That's probably probably my second favorite thing about the movie. But the thing I love most about it, I I don't know how you feel, but to me, for a lot of those uh, Italian horror film filmmakers, I don't think anyone could do gore better than Dario Argento. He uh, the gore the gore effects in that movie were just really something. Um, if the gore time. is an art form, uh, Dario Argento is um, is Van Gogh or Monet. I wouldn't say Picasso though, because I I feel like you'd rather get a little bit more abstract. So uh, <laughs> I don't think that's quite the right analogy. But definitely he's um, he's a genius. Uh, oh I, yeah. I love I, I love those movies. It's like that whole era there of, of Italian filmmakers like uh, Argento and Bava and uh, Fulci. All these guys, they were just making this top-notch, like almost timeless horror. Yeah, uh, or I, another one I throw in there, uh, Umberto Lindsay. Uh, Absolutely. I'm a big uh, big fan of the film uh, Strip Nude for Your Killer. That was. A oh, me too. That was a really good one. Into, you, you know that uh, Strip Nude for Your Killer, nerd, uh, little nerd trivia, uh, that was, if you watch that and then watch the uh, original Halloween, you can see a lot of similarities there. Like, there, there's some people that say that Strip Nude for Your Killer was the step between Giallo film and slashers. That was the transition. Thinking back, of, I, thinking back, I can kind of see that. Um and really, I mean, I, I think, and I'm sure I'm, I'm, I'm not saying anything original here, but I mean, the the American slasher film wouldn't have happened if it were not for Jalo. Oh no, so, absolutely not. 
So really, I mean, I think I, I credit the Italians for really creating the slasher genre um, because they, you know, they created Giallo and Giallo was essentially created by Mario Bava. So there you go. Yeah, and then uh, and then he brought up Lin- Umberto <laughs> Lindsay, uh, you know, the man from what was the man from Deep River, uh, Cannibal Ferox, these those kind of films. I uh, Cannibal Holocaust and Cannibal Ferox, like I, I'm not a big fan of all the animal abuse in them, but those are those are really like I feel like they were really pushing the envelope for the time. You know, I, I really enjoy those films. And, I, and I'm I'm trying to get more into those because I haven't seen um, I haven't seen Cannibal Holocaust yet. And another film that I'm wanting to see is um, uh, Have you ever heard of a, a film? I think it was created by Altamont Pictures uh, called uh, Heads on a Stick. Sounds familiar. Okay, yeah, it was banned in several countries. Um, Interestingly enough, somebody uh, somebody gave me a T-shirt of uh, that of that film of that movie poster. Uh, the, the T-shirt itself was from Bulgaria, and the film was actually banned there for several decades. That's um, yeah, yeah. So I, I I'd like to see that movie. I'd like to get a uh, get a copy of that movie if I can. And I still I haven't seen Serbian film yet. I'd like to see that one too. Um. Because I I, I, I I would like to go to dive further into exploitation and watch more trashy movies. Um, and, and, you know, I kind of got uh, – I, I interviewed uh, Matt Desiderio from Horror Boobs um, earlier in the year. They sort of specialize in movies like that. Right. Um, so, you know, he, he gave me all of the – I feel like as old as I am, because I'm, I'm over a 1,000 years old at this point – uh, and as much of a horror fan as I consider myself, I really ought to do a better job and, you know, watch more of these movies. So I'm looking for a good place to get started. I think if you really wanted to get down, and this is kind of the the suggestion I give to anybody who's trying to get into more extreme horror movies, mm-hmm. the, the place to start, in my opinion is a 2017 film called Who's Watching Oliver. Okay. It's, um, I I don't want to spoil anything, but it's about a guy who is, um, he's a serial killer and and he's he's also, I mean, there's some rape. And he's got a a relationship with his mother that makes uh, Norman Bates his, uh, maternal relationship look healthy oh and it he's you see him within the first 20 minutes of the movie you see him do some truly vile things but by the end of the movie your heart just breaks for him and it's it's a really depraved movie but it's got an interesting ending and it's it's like it's not just visually disturbing it really gets into your head and uh i really think that's the the primer that you could use to see if you really wanted to go down that particular rabbit hole. Then uh-huh. after who's watching Oliver go directly to Serbian film. And that's, that'll desensitize you to a lot of things to where you can kind of start to enjoy. If not, I don't know if enjoy is the right word still to this day. This has been kind of my shtick for a couple of years is like the extreme stuff. 
And I don't know if enjoy is the right word still. Appreciate, maybe. Uh, appreciate is probably a better word. Um, uh, yeah, because it's, but I've come to really love and seek out that feeling like when you walk away from a movie and you just, you just feel empty. It just feels like the movie took something away from you. Yeah, and I, I really like, like if I'm having a bad time or something, and you're like life is getting too much, I'll yeah. throw on one of those movies that like really steal a piece of my soul. And I don't know, it helps to balance it out. But after Serbian film, Martyrs, not the American remake. The American remake is trash. Don't ever watch it. But okay. the Martyrs, 2008. It's a French film. It's gorgeous from beginning to end. And it will, like, it'll stick with you forever. Okay. Okay. Well, I will definitely. Yeah. Uh, so, Serbian film, Martyrs, the original. And then the first one, uh, Who's Watching Oliver? Who's Watching Oliver? It's a. Okay. All right. I, I will, uh, I'll, I'll go, I'll go seek those out and I'll watch them. Oh, yes. And when you do, give me a holler. We'll talk about them. I, I love, those are three of my favorite films yes absolutely uh, definitely it, it, and if um if whatever like if, if we can't do something like this tonight then you know i'll be sure to you know message you and we can talk oh, about yeah. it. whatever you want to do <laughs> but yeah we'll definitely because i i love the thought of getting somebody into this trench that i'm in cinematically with all this weird <laughs> stuff oh no i'm definitely i i well i'm i'm not I guess I'm sort of I'm a fellow traveler. I guess that I guess that's safe yeah. to say. Just cause, you know, I, I do I have a pretty diverse palette, um, and you know, I, and you know, I, I feel like I've got my street cred, you know, with uh, you know being a fan of trauma and just being a fan of you know really obscure B movies. So, but I'd like right. to really earn it by uh, diving diving deep into the trash, so to speak. Oh yeah. <laughs> And and it and it's like one of those things is just I mean if it's that's why you know those three films are really good kind of uh, because they're alike in that they're really kind of dark and disturbing, but they kind of run the gamut of what you're gonna find for the most part in extreme films. So you can kind of see what you like, what you don't like, and like that. I know people who are just like I don't what no. No more of this, thanks. And that's totally fine. It's not for everybody. Right. Right. But, I mean, that's the beautiful thing about horror, I think. There's there's something there's something for everybody. There is. Uh, there's, some, there's a little bit of something for everybody. There is. And that's what we try to do on my show. Um, you know, we do, you know, we have stories that are, you know, more comedic than horrifying. And then we have just straight horror s stories. And, you know, and then sometimes we just have, uh, you know, really light-hearted interviews, too. So, um, we try to be eclectic. And that's that's what I got. I, I uh, After the con the other night, I came home and I, I searched you up and and listened to uh, two or three episodes. Listened to The Briny Deep, which was incredibly good. Uh, listened to the, the Halloween thing, and it was, it was really fun. And then uh, the cask of oh the uh, the cask of Amontillado. That was that was somewhere in between. It was funny. It was it was kind of spooky. You know, it was it was it was a really nice riff on uh, on Poe. It was yeah. really 
every now and then you'll catch us doing uh, adapted works. So we'll do Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, I know next year we have some H.P. Lovecraft stories in the works. Um, so we'll be getting those out there. And um, I, I, I don't want to say too much, but we have... We've got something that's sort of percolating in the Bunsen burner. It's not nearly ready to be discussed as of yet, but if it if it, if everything plays out accordingly, uh, I really think we're going to shake up next year. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. And, uh, and I'll, I'll I'll say this, and, and granted, this 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 is a big if if everything works out the way that we want it to. Um, be be it, being that it will be an election year next year, I think what we have in mind to do, um, it's going to be entertaining, but I think it's also going to ruffle some feathers and it might cause some controversy. But, well, those are the best kind. Well, yeah, yes, uh, and I'm not opposed to being controversial um, if I have to be. Um, and really, we never, I don't think we've ever actually been controversial before, so I'm I'm kind of curious to see how far we can actually push the button. So, oh, wow, I'm I'm looking at my at my counter right now, and uh, I'm gonna go, we're gonna go ahead and wrap. Okay. And I'm gonna let you get back to uh, hopefully getting away from the onslaught of that bachelorette party. But uh, yeah. yeah. Well, so far they're not uh, they're not banging down the gate yet. Uh, but if I may, uh, just really quick. Um, just want to plug my uh, uh, my live show again. Please uh, do. One more time. So uh, our live show is next month. It's December 17th at 7 p.m. right here in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. It's going to be at Center for the Arts. And the title of it is Southern Gothic Ghost Show. Um, back uh, a long time ago, back in the Victorian age, it actually used to be normal uh, for families to tell ghost stories around the hearth uh, during Christmas time. And I'm trying to bring that tradition back. So uh, on December 17th, you will hear five ghost stories uh, from us. Um, so uh, tickets are on sale now. So if you uh, if you type in Count Terhoon's Feature of Fright, Southern Gothic Ghost Show, it'll take you to the Facebook event page, and you can buy tickets. Uh, you can buy tickets that away. Um, so we've got that. And of course, if you're a voice actor in the Middle Tennessee area, uh, join us on December 15th. Uh, right here at Nick Newton's and Spinelli's at 5 p.m. We'll be doing auditions uh, for voice actors and also for Foley artists if, you, uh, if you've if you ever done live sound effects and uh, for sound engineers as well. Uh, and then, of course, uh, next year, uh, join us uh, for monthly shows here at Nick Newton's and Spinelli's. Uh, the first live show is going to be January 16th, but I'll, I, I know I'm throwing a lot at you, uh, uh, so... Uh, so I'll, I'll keep you updated on that when it gets closer to time. But also just if you like Count Rahun's Feature of Frights, uh, if you like the show or if you've yet to discover the show, uh, just follow me on Instagram at Count Rahun, all one word. And uh, and then uh, be sure to subscribe to Count Rahun's Feature of Fright wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, like I said, there's, there's something for everybody on our show. So I'm, I'm sure you'll enjoy it. There will be links. If you look down in the description box below, there will be links to everything you just mentioned. Everything you need to know will be down there. Uh, and for future shows and everything, like I said, follow him. And if you follow us at Tennessee Horror News, 
But like I said, all the links on the will be promoting all these shows moving forward too. So keep your eyes out. Tennessee's got uh, Middle Tennessee's got something cool going on, it. so keep your eye on it. Thanks for tuning in, ladies and gents. If you enjoyed this, be sure to subscribe and turn on notifications. I upload videos a couple of times a week right here on the Tennessee Horror News YouTube channel. If you want to hear more of my rambling, you can check out the Horror Basement and Beyond the Basement, where I team up with Jim Jam and Johnny to talk about all manner of things, from horror flicks and hauntings to breakfast cereal and box office bombs. Those shows can be found on your favorite podcast platform, including Spotify, SoundCloud, and iTunes. And, if you're not on YouTube hearing this, you'll probably already know that after a couple of days, you can find this show on those platforms as well. Check out the description below for all the social media links. Follow me there. Until next time, keep going.